Good morning, welcome to worship at Church of the Palms Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Phil Bliss, and I'm delighted to welcome you to our hour of worship. This morning, Dr. McConnell is away. He's preaching at the uh, Liberty Corner Presbyterian Church, where he formerly ministered as they celebrate their 175th anniversary. So we wish him well up there. In his absence, Dr. Uh, Hedgepeth is preaching this morning, preaching from Jonah chapter one with the title, Can You Hear Me Now? World Communion Sunday is being held today and uh, Christians around the world are celebrating with the communion. And uh, you're going to see this morning uh, around 30 of our church members dressed in national costumes of nations of the world. And they'll be standing up front for a little bit and then uh, they, we will come continue with our communion service. Please join us on Wednesday evening at 4.30 for a time of prayer for our nation. This is held in our chapel. And finally, the uh, Mobile Blood Bank will be here next Sunday morning, 9.30 to 12.30. And please keep that in mind if you're able to donate blood. Again, thank you for joining us, and may this be a meaningful hour for you. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Church of the Palms. My name is John Sego, and I serve as an elder here in the church as a volunteer with our middle school youth in Pulse and occasionally uh, portraying people such as Daniel in Babylon dressed as such with our Vacation Bible School. We begin our service with the opening prayer printed on the cover of our bulletin. Now let us bow our heads as we prepare for worship. Gracious God, in our world, there is so much busyness. It is good to come aside and see quietness through your Holy Spirit. In our world, there is so much conflict. It is good to come aside and seek peace in the Prince of Peace. In our world, there is so much uncertainty. It is good to come aside and seek assurance in your presence. Grant, O Lord, that in the beauty of this hour we may find forgiveness and faith, calmness and hope, purpose and power, as together we come aside to praise and worship you. These things we ask in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, as our service continues with reverence, let us prepare our hearts and minds as we listen to the prelude.
The writer to the Revelation says, I looked and there was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and the Lamb. And the psalmist writes, make his praise glorious. How awesome are thy works because of the greatness of thy power. All nations will worship thee and sing praises to thy name. We'll take a moment to, uh, to invite this wonderful host of the world to introduce themselves. But at this point, the Church of the Palms is now at worship. <clears throat> you may be seated. Good morning. I'm Don and Mary Ann Skolton from the Netherlands. Bernie Morgan from England. Suzanne Sutherland, India. Babe Hart, Thailand. Andrew McFall, Egypt. Tony Gardner, and I'm representing Japan. John Sego, Saudi Arabia. Robin Sego, Saudi Arabia. George Jenkins, United States of America. Doris Campice, Jordan. Brigitte Lanz, India. Katie Goodwin, Morocco. Mosby Mitchell, Kenya. Willie Mitchell, Mali. Bridget Ambrose, Scotland. Michael Barth, Ukraine. Stephanie Barth, Ukraine. Rachel Mallet, Ireland. Rebecca Gardner, Norway. Catherine Gardner, Hawaii. Deidre Ambrose, Ireland. Joe Ambrose, Scotland. And I did marry an Irish lassie. <laughs> Alex Barth, Ukraine. Victoria Sutherland, India. Kevin Sutherland, India. Haley Shelton, India. Tallulah, Sweden. Moxie, Sweden. Jean Ambrose, Ecuador. Sky Ambrose, Mexico.
You have heard what was written about Jesus in Scripture, how he would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day, how through his death and resurrection the forgiveness of sin is now possible for all who believe. So let us boldly approach the throne of God where we will find grace and mercy and let us confess our sins. Forgive us, O Lord, for we have much in common with the Israelites to whom you spoke through the prophet Isaiah. We have all become like one who is unclean and all our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. Too easily we fall in line with public opinion, even when it is contrary to your will. Too weakly we hold on to the truth of your word. Too quietly we speak out for that which is right in your sight. Too tentatively we take a stand for Jesus, who is in the Christ. In your mercy, holy God, Pardon us and give us the strength to live in ways that are pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The Lord of all richly blesses those who call upon him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Friends, believe the good news of the gospel. Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Let us now affirm what we believe as recorded in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended to heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Well, let's express our faith and our fellowship together as we meet and greet those who are around us. <laughs>
I am Bruce Hedgepeth, one of the pastors here at Church of the Palms, and it is my joy to welcome you here in worship this morning on this World Communion Sunday with our Parade of Nations. And uh, we'd like to ask if you're seated on the aisle side of the pew, if you would take the red friendship pad that's there, sign your name to it so we can have record of your presence with us this morning, especially if you're a guest. We would love to know that you were in worship with us and if there's a way that we might um, minister to you and with you in the coming days. So welcome. There are a number of announcements that are printed in the uh, announcement section toward the back of the order of service. I wanted to highlight just a few of those. Uh, the first is that we have some remodeling going on in the administration building. You may have noticed the yellow tape. There hasn't been a crime here as far as we know. But uh, there is some remodeling going on in front of the administration building. So if you need to access that building, you walk around to the south side of the building and enter the side door that faces the uh, music and arts building and the education building. So thanks for your patience while we go through these renovations to add office space. They should be hoping they'll be finished right around Thanksgiving time. Also, if you um, missed the opportunity last week to pick up one of the devotional books about generosity that we'll be encouraging one another to read during our devotional time this month and discuss in our small groups, they are available on the welcome cart under the tree after the service. And looking ahead to next Sunday, our uh, deacons have organized uh, for Suncoast Communities Blood Bank to be here, have the opportunity to give the gift of life uh, around our worship times from 9.30 in the morning till 12.30 in the afternoon in the Northwest parking lot. So with those announcements made, I would like to invite the children to come forward for a time with Miss Lori. Good morning. How is everybody doing? Good? Yeah, nice. Did you guys have a sleepout? No, very good. Nice. We have a couple more coming down the aisle. This is so cool that it's World Communion Sunday that we got to see all the native garb because this whole month we're going to be talking about individuality. And so it's so great to see all of those individuals and about how God loves all of us and can use all of us regardless of how we look or how we're gifted. So I thought we should start out by playing a game. So here's the first thing. If you have blonde hair, stand up. Stand up, real quick. Great, great, okay, sit down. If you have brown eyes, stand up. I have to sit, oh nice, sit down. If you can run really fast, stand up. Caleb's got a cast on, but he's still trying to stand up, that's great, excellent, sit down. I have one more, so for Miss Judy. To, so if you love to sing or play a musical instrument, stand up. Nice. Excellent. Okay, sit down. You know, just how God made each one of us different like that, he also put us in different families. Some of us have a mom and a dad. Some of us live with grandparents. Some of us have brothers and sisters. Some of us don't. Some of us live in foster homes. Some of us even have moms and dads at different houses, so we go back and forth. Guess what? God can use all of those family situations, all of the unique ways that we're made to do amazing things in your life and in the world. 
Our story today in the Bible comes from the New Testament in Acts and 2 Timothy. And it's about this guy, young guy, named Timothy. And here's the thing. Timothy was mostly raised by his grandma and his mom who were Jewish, and they taught him all about God. His dad was from a completely different culture, didn't even believe the same thing that these guys believed. So then one day, Paul comes to town with Barnabas, and he's talking about Jesus Christ, and in the town, they are so confused and so mixed up, half the town thinks that Paul and Barnabas are little gods, and they try to stone him. No way. In the midst of all of this messiness, in the family that Timothy lived in, and in that message that came to town, Timothy got it. He goes, oh my goodness, I can take the good news of Jesus Christ, and I can give it to people who are like my dad, who weren't raised Jewish. So God used him in all that messiness, in his different family, and in the message that was kind of kind of crazy, and he used him, and that's what God promises to do for each one of us, and it starts when we're young, and he doesn't care what our family is, he has gifted each one of us to do amazing things in our life. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we thank you for all of the gifts and all of the passion that you give to each one of us to serve you. We just ask that we always use those situations that you put us in to give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you were here last week, then you heard that our theme for this coming month is the joy of generosity. And on this World Communion Sunday, we're going to have the opportunity to hear from uh, two from our midst, uh, two folks in the church family who, who have experienced God's joy in giving of themselves generously to God's mission in the world. So Maxine Perry and Ren Campfice, if you would come forward, please. Good morning. It's a special day to come and share with you the joy of what is happening with the clinic in Honduras, how God is directing its mission and ministry. Over 15 years ago, my husband Doug and I were called by God to establish an eye clinic in Honduras to serve the poor in both restoring physical sight and spiritual sight to those who had so little. And you, the members of Church of the Palms, were there. You were there with both your prayers and also with your mission dollars. Through the years, you have continued to give with joy and generosity, and some of you have come to Honduras and served on a mission team. Those who have come and served know the joy of giving abundantly when you stepped out of your comfort zone and into the zone of God's protection. God has given me the joy of witnessing what he can do when ordinary people like you and me are willing to give freely of ourselves to further his kingdom. 
Since the clinic opened in 1997, over 160,000 patients have been seen and over 11,000 surgeries performed. Each of these numbers represents a child of God and whose life the clinic has touched in some way. This morning I would like to share with you the story of one of these 11,000. Frances was a young mother of four who was brought to the clinic by a friend who led her every step of the way. She was blind due to cataracts and she could no longer care for her four small children without assistance. When the eye doctor examined her and told her that she had cataracts and with surgery her sight would be restored, instead of being excited with the news that she would see again, she cried. She cried because she knew she could not pay for eye surgery. After an evaluation by the clinic's social worker, she was told that her surgery would be done without charge due to her economic situation. Several weeks later, when Frances returned for one of her post-op exams, I hardly recognized her. Her face that had first appeared as sad and sullen on that first visit to the clinic was replaced with a face beaming with light and joy. And the joy that I experienced knowing that God had used me in some small way was my blessing. Each of us share in the joy of generosity, and we long to see what God can do with the resources he has entrusted to us. Each Sunday when the offering plate is passed and we put in our tithes and offerings, let us remember that we are giving to one of God's children, perhaps in Honduras or here at home, and we will receive the blessing that God gives us all when we are willing to partner with him. Thank you. Good morning. <clears throat> How does the joy of generosity theme apply to Wycliffe Bible translators? If you were, if you were raised speaking only one language, it might be difficult to understand why hearing the gospel in your mother tongue or heart language is so critical. This is exactly why Wycliffe is translating the Bible into over 7,000 heart languages worldwide and Campus Crusade is committed to producing the Jesus film for these languages. I've had the wonderful opportunity of volunteering with Wycliffe over the last 11 years. And Church of Palms you know, supports the uh, <clears throat> it supports the uh, Hoskins, the Winklers, and Darcy Dryman, who is the daughter of this church. Every time I come home from volunteering at Wycliffe, my wife says there is a glow about me which is truly joy. <clears throat> Let me share a short story with you. There is a people group in northern Nigeria where a Christian church was established back in the 1940s. The pastor spoke in Hausa, which is their dominant trade language. For most of the people, Hausa is only their second, third, or fourth language. So hearing scripture in Hausa doesn't have nearly the same understanding impact as hearing and understanding it in their heart language, which is Dukawa. Now this people group had many churches with services in Hausa. Recently, since Wycliffe has come into this area, these people have been given the Bible in their heart language. 
Dukawa. Once Luke was translated into this language, it was dubbed into the Jesus film by Campus Crusade. To illustrate, imagine you have been hearing Luke 15, 6 and 7, which you see on the screen in, the trade in their trade language or national language, and now it is, is in their heart language for the very first time. So let's look at what the Dukawa people group understood with each, from each of these languages. With the trade language, Jesus lost something is what is understood. With the national language, Jesus lost someone important and whoever it is needs to find their way is understood. But with the mother tongue or the heart language, these people understand it as, I'm the lost sheep. It's me. Jesus loves me. Heaven rejoices that by his grace, I can repent of my sin and follow him. So here's the rest of the story. When these Dukawa people watched the Jesus film in their heart language for the very first time, they were shocked. Jesus died for our sins? They asked it all, for our sins? We always thought he died for his own sins. These are people who had been faithful churchgoers for decades. They had listened to countless scripture readings, but all in Hausa. And while they had understood parts of the gospel story, they had missed the main point. Not until they read and heard it in their own heart language did the message finally click. Praise the Lord for organizations such as Wycliffe, Camp Crusade, and thanks to each of you who have been offering your gifts, prayers, and involvement to make this happen. That is what truly brings the joy of generosity, as well as helping fulfill the Great Commission for our Lord. You are personally invited to experience this joy by joining us on a bus trip to Wycliffe on Friday, October 19th to see a special scripture dedication of several Bibles in people's heart languages. Check your bulletin today and sign up under the tree today. We'd love to have you join us. Thank you very much. In addition, there is a meeting for those who might be interested in participating in a Honduras mission team. Throughout this month, we'll be hearing from folks in our own congregation who've experienced the joy of generosity in giving of themselves to God's mission in the world and right here in our own community. Today, we have that opportunity by uh, sharing with God the morning tithes and offerings. Will the ushers please come forward?
and generosity toward us is without measure. In gratitude and love, we bring our gifts this morning. May these gifts serve your purposes here in this place and in the mission field around the world. In Christ's name, amen. This morning we are uh, beginning a series from the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. We'll be reading the first chapter of that book, verses 1 through 17. If you care to turn there in your Bible or one of the pew Bibles on the rack in front of you. But before we read God's Word, let us pray. Gracious God, we believe your Word is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And so as we open the scriptures this day, make us attentive to the presence and the leading of your Holy Spirit so that we might not only hear, but understand the truth you have preserved for us and understanding that our lives would be touched and transformed by this your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Jonah, beginning in the first verse of the first chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down, and he was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, What are you doing? Sound asleep. Get up. Call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailors said to one another, Come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I am a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? The sea was growing more and more tempestuous. He said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. 
Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, O Lord, we pray, do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked Jonah up and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord even more. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of the Lord. So if you were setting out to design the perfect day, what would you put in it? How would you set up the day just the way you would like it to go? You know, a number of years ago, I remember when I had the opportunity to do just that. At the time, my wife, Cindy, and me, we, we didn't have children. I was going to graduate school. We lived out of state. And so we, we looked forward over the Christmas holidays to the opportunity to come down and stay with family in Florida. And sometimes, if Cindy's vacation schedule worked out, we got to stay on into the new year. And so this one particular year, it had been, it had been pretty, pretty demanding, pretty difficult. And so I looked forward to New Year's Day. Because I knew that there would be no demands on my time. I knew there wasn't any place I needed to go. I knew there wasn't anyone I needed to see. I could set out the day exactly the way I wanted it to be. And so I slept in late. I had a big breakfast. I read the paper while Cindy and her mom were watching the Tournament of Roses parade on TV. And about noon, uh, the first college bowl game came on. Now this was a number of years ago, more than 20 years ago, and if, if you remember back then, they loaded up New Year's Day with all kinds of bowl games, sometimes on multiple channels at the same time. So at about noon when I settled onto the couch, I had no intention of moving until the last bowl game was over about midnight. That was going to be my perfect New Year's Day. So I watched the Sun Bowl and then the Citrus Bowl and then the Rose Bowl and the Cotton Bowl. They were at the same time at that point in time. And I took a, just a little break. There's a tradition in the family, unreasonable as it may be, to have a dinner together on New Year's Day. And so I joined the family for that and then wrapped up the night by flipping back and forth between the Orange Bowl and the Sugar Bowl. It was an amazing day. So, so at, at about midnight that night, when the last game was over, how do you think I felt? You think I was rested and relaxed and peaceful feeling? 
No. I, I was numb. <laughs> I, I was lethargic. I had a splitting headache from watching too much TV. And I realized that maybe, maybe it wasn't such a good idea to do exactly what I wanted to do. I mean, I had built this whole day around me. And I ended up feeling badly and in pain. And so we turn our attention this morning to, to Jonah in the Old Testament. And, and he made a mistake even worse than my mistake on that New Year's Day. Not only did he set out to do exactly what he wanted to do, not only was he thinking about himself, but he went a step further. He did what God, he, he did not do what God told him to do explicitly and clearly. Now, I know that this story of Jonah is very familiar to us, you were probably, you knew the story before I read it a few minutes ago, but there are just a, a few things I want us to make sure we don't miss about it because we can kind of overlook it in the familiarity of the story. And, and most of those things, they're found in the, associated with the first three verses of this first chapter of Jonah. We read that he was Jonah, son of Amittai. And if, if you look back at 2 Kings, chapter 14, you, you will see a reference to a prophet there by that same name. He carried out his prophetic ministry during the reign of King Jeroboam II in the northern kingdom of Israel. Jeroboam II was king from 793 before Christ to 753 before Christ. And, and we learned in the story this morning that God called Jonah to go to Nineveh and prophesy against the Ninevites because their wickedness was so great. Now, Nineveh was a city about 500 miles to the north and the east of, where, uh, of Israel. And uh, Nineveh was the most important city for the, a rising empire in that part of the world, the Assyrians. The uh, Assyrians were a pagan people. They did not worship the God of Israel and the God of Judah. The Assyrians were an ambitious people. They were an aggressive people. In fact, in 722 before Christ, a little more than 50 years later, the Assyrian army would conquer Israel. And so Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh and call the people to repentance because he didn't want the Lord to show them mercy. Jonah wanted the Assyrians destroyed. He didn't want to uh, turn them around and turn them toward God. He wanted them wiped out. So Jonah, instead of heading to Nineveh, 500 miles north and east of Israel, instead he went west to the Mediterranean seaport of Joppa. 
And there he got on a ship that was going further west to a place or we don't know exactly where it was called Tarshish, but we know that Tarshish was further west yet in the exact opposite direction from where God had called Jonah to go. Jonah was doing exactly what God, the opposite of what God had called him to do. And so we find out in the course of this first chapter that the whole running away from God thing didn't work out too well for Jonah. There was the huge storm upon the sea. There was getting thrown overboard by the sailors on the ship. And then there was getting swallowed up by the giant fish as he tried to escape from God. I mean, the, the whole story seems almost ridiculous that we could be tempted to dismiss it. I mean, why in the world would someone disobey, go in the opposite direction from the explicit call of God? But let's not dismiss Jonah and his story as ridiculous because I think there are some things in that story with which we can connect. One of those things is that like God had a call on Jonah's life, as the Lord had a plan for Jonah, so too God has a plan for each and every one of us. And what I want us to be clear about is that there is a, there's a, a paradox in this story. There's a, a paradox that is still at work in our lives. It's, it's a paradox that I began to learn about on that New Year's Day over 20 years ago. And the paradox is that when we seek to satisfy ourselves, when we seek our, our own contentment and our own gratification, when we try and set up our world so that it's all about us and what we want, we find that contentment elusive. However, when we participate in God's plan in the world, which is not centered on you or on me, when we give ourselves away in serving others in a way that pleases God and honors Him, it is in the giving away of ourselves that we find that peace and the contentment that was so elusive when we pursued it with ourselves at the center. I think that's something we can learn from this story of Moses. If we are setting up our lives and our days and our schedules so that it's all about us, 
so that it's all about what um, we want to do, so that it's all about our comfort, so that it's all about us being at the center. Most of the time, we will not be participating in what God is doing in the world. Most of the time, we will miss out on opportunities to reach others for Jesus Christ. That's what God desires to do. And He desires to use regular people like you and like me and like Jonah. You know, the book in the Bible after Jonah is Micah. And in the sixth chapter of Micah, God speaks through the prophet. He says, He has told you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? I think Jesus was making a similar kind of point when in the 25th chapter of the Gospel of Matthew, and he, he sets that great judgment scene for us. He describes what it will be like when the righteous stand before Almighty God. And the judgment is pronounced, I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And the righteous will say, Lord, when was it that we did all these things? And the king answers, for as much as you have done it to the least of these who are my children, you've done it for me. Jesus spoke the paradox with his own words earlier in the Gospel of Matthew when he said in the 16th chapter, for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. The paradox of responding to God's call. How do we know what God's call is? We know it's God's call if it gets us outside of ourselves. If it involves us in something bigger than just our own comfort. Than just our own wants and desires. We have a sense that we're following God's call when we look at how we spend our time. Is it about others? Is it about us? We have a sense of God's call when we look at how we spend our money. When we look at the content of our prayers. Is it about us or is it bigger? Is it about God's plan in the world? Is it about God's heart for people who don't yet know Jesus? And so as we prepare to come to the table on this World Communion Sunday, I 
invite you to join me in reflecting how we're doing in responding to God's call. Amen. Friends, this is the Lord's table. It's not a table that belongs to any particular church or any particular denomination. This is a table where everyone is welcome who professes faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord. In the Gospel of Luke, we learn that they will come from east and west and north and south and sit at table in the kingdom. In a very real way, on World Communion Sunday, we are professing one of the deep beliefs of our faith, that we are united with brothers and sisters in Christ all around the globe, and it is the heart of our Heavenly Father that the body of Christ, the church, reaches out in concern beyond herself to those who do not yet know the good news. And so we come to this table to be strengthened, to be fed spiritual food, to respond to that call, that call of proclamation, that call of service, that call of compassion. And so as we prepare to come,
to the Lord's table, I remind you of the words of our Lord Jesus Christ. As they're written by the Apostle Paul, he says that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then after the supper, in the same manner, Jesus took the cup and he said, This is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Friends, come. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, our hearts are filled with gratitude. Each time we come to this table, we remember just how much you cared for this world that you created. For mortals just like us, whom you fashioned in your own image. We are reminded of Christ's call upon his resurrection to go and make disciples of all nations. We are reminded that it's not about us. It is about you and your kingdom and your plan. So as we receive these elements, this common bread and this plain fruit of the vine, by the work of your Spirit, make them for us real spiritual food so that our eyes may be lifted and our hands and feet may be strengthened to be about doing your will and your work, not focused on ourselves, but focused on you and what you intend to do right here in our own community, across our nation and around the globe. Lord, enable us to be part of your plan. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.
Mark, the bread of life in Christ Jesus. Marilyn, I serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, the body of Christ broken for you. Jan, the bread of life in Christ Jesus. Temp, I serve in the name of Jesus Christ. Andrew, the body of Christ broken for you. Andrew, the bread of life in Christ Jesus. Roxanne, I serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. Body of Christ broken for you, Linda. After the supper, Jesus took the cup.
I serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ shed for you, Mark. The cup of salvation in Christ Jesus, Marilyn. I serve you in the name of Jesus Christ, Bob. The blood of Christ shed for you. The cup of salvation in Christ Jesus, Tim. Andrew, I serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. The blood of Christ shed for you, Andrew. Cup of salvation in Christ Jesus, Roxana. And I serve you in the name of Jesus Christ. Almighty God, receive our thanksgiving for your unspeakable love and goodness. You're the God of all comfort, full of compassion, forgiving our sins and transgressions. We thank you that you have formed the church upon the apostles and the prophets, and Jesus Christ himself is the chief cornerstone. Continue your loving kindness to us that we may rejoice all our days on earth and in heaven we may joyfully and perfectly praise you forever through jesus christ our lord who taught us when we pray to say together our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. <laughs> As this service ends and when you go from this place today, go with God's blessing. May the living Lord Jesus Christ go with you. 
May he go above you to watch over you, behind you to encourage you, beside you to befriend you, within you to give you peace, and before you to show you the way now and forever. Amen. Every Sunday morning throughout the year, you can view this live telecast from the Sanctuary of Church of the Palms. Church of the Palms is located in Sarasota, Florida. These broadcasts of our 9 o'clock service are seen locally on Comcast Cable Channel 189 and simultaneously on the Internet via live streaming. There's another traditional service presented in the sanctuary at 11 this morning, and a contemporary service in the Garden of the Campus Center is presented each Sunday morning at 9. Church of the Palms is a Presbyterian Church, USA. There's a new book out called Take Me to Aslan, C.S. Lewis and the Art of Trusting. It's authored by our very own Dr. Stephen D. McConnell, Dr. McConnell's book is available for purchase under the tree here on the campus after service and in the church office throughout the week. The cost is $13. You may pay by cash or check. The book is also available on Amazon.com, Kindle, Barnes & Noble, and Living Word bookstores. Studies throughout the week. For men's Bible study, Wednesdays, 7.30 to 8.45 a.m. in the chapel reception room, we continue our study of the Gospel of Luke. Bring your own Bible, as our discussion always benefits from a variety of translations. Luke was among the Gospel writers, and he was unique. He was a Gentile writing for Gentiles, a physician, and a 